the most insightful and thought-provoking show on radio. Real, unrehearsed, and impactful interviews that encourage critical thinking for finding solutions for life's experiences. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. This is the Abundant Solutions Hour with your host, Gregory Turner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. I'm so excited, so excited about today's show, and I'm so glad that you chose to spend your time with us uh, this evening. Uh, I know you could have been watching television, watching all the games on this weekend, football, and uh, you chose to be with us, and for that, I'm I'm so thankful. And I also want to say something to uh, some youth that I mentor at one of the detention uh, facilities here. Uh, today... Take notes. Take notes. I have a very, very special guest and friend of mine, Pastor Stephen Thompson, and he's he's on point. He's a teacher. He's uh, he's always been consistent with the word. Uh, he and his wife, Janelle, uh, I've known them for years, and I can tell you he's been going hard from day one since I've known him all the way up until today. Um, tomorrow, I'm pretty sure... On Sundays, he's always on uh, Facebook. You can go on his site and you can uh, watch him speak. I'm not sure if he's speaking tomorrow. Maybe Janelle may be speaking his wife. But I can tell you, please take notes. That's that's very important. And uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about him. He's the uh, he's, a, he's he's a pastor. Uh, he's a father. Uh, he's just he's a faithful man of God, and he was a deacon at one point. And he is the uh, senior pastor at House of Triumph. And he teaches with great passion and intensity. And I can guarantee you, you're going to hear that uh, for this hour. And Pastor uh, Thompson, are you there? Yes, sir. I am here. I'm just, you know, listening to um, you speak about me. I'm just humbled um, by your words. So I'm just excited and just to be here with you today, Greg. And um. You know, it's funny, you know, as long as I've known you, in our home we have a term of affection. We always refer to you as Father Gregory around here. <laughs> but um, you know, now, now you know the cat's out the bag. Whenever you call, um, my wife will be like, um, I'll be like, who are you on the on the phone with? She's like, Father Greg. <laughs> so, you know, but um, it's, a, it's a term of endearment. Just, you know, we love you and just appreciate the opportunity to um, share with your listening audience today. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I can guarantee you I'm going to hear this when I go back out and see the kids at the facility. <laughs> but, you know, um, we were talking the other day, and um, a, a lot of our kids, uh, most of the kids that I mentor, a majority of them are, are, are black males. And, you know, you you have boys. You have boys. You have sons. And yes. we, we and, and a lot, and, and I'm sorry to say this, but I'll say it because it's the truth. A lot of them are being raised in uh, single family homes. And mm-hmm. when I when I when I when I talk with the the mothers, I, sometimes you know, pastor, they don't know what to do. They don't know um, how to prepare them for some of the things that that you know, as black boys, when you were growing up, and I was growing, they they I don't think they know how to deal with what we're facing to help us um, when we leave home. Um, I was just looking at just the other day, I was looking at the um, description of a crime. You know how they have these crimes and they describe the individual that cre- you know, that did the crime, the person that they're looking for. And the majority of our kids fit that with the white T-shirt, the jeans and the sneakers. So what, how, what I want you to give them a word uh, on how they should carry themselves um, when they leave home. Uh, when you when when you leave home um, and you go out to do your business, you know it's interesting. So uh, I'll, I'll go this way with it. We were um, every Tuesday night at our church. We provide a meal for the community. And last week, a group of young men, probably ages around fourteen, ten to fourteen, it was about four or five, six or seven of them. I'm not sure. But they were coming up the block, and they were doing the third boys. They were being what boys do, you know. They were roughhousing, you know, punching each other in the arm, clowning, you know, talking, just being boys. And, you know, we're outside, me and um, Brother James, you know, inviting people in. And they're like, oh, this is the church to do the free food. Come on, let's go in there and get something to eat. So 
anyway, like, I'm hot on them. Like, I'm hot on their back. Like, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Let me make sure they don't tear up my little, little sanctuary here real quick. So I walk in behind them, you know, and instantly, like, you can tell that they're not used to authority and they just carry themselves because they're not used to authority, they're not used to boundaries, they're not used to people standing up to them because a lot of it is the adults are actually afraid of the children these days. Like, we don't live in the day and age where we can chastise the children the way that they need to be chastised. And the village doesn't raise the children anymore. Everybody, like, minds their own business because that's kind of the direction that it's going overall. But they came into the church, and um, we had some of the chairs stacked over to the side. And, um, you know, one of the boys, actually two of the boys kind of climbed on top of the stack of the chairs and was sitting up there, and I was like, get down. I was like, get down. I was like, you're not animals. You're humans. Behave as such. And I think that's what you have to do. You have to really remind them. You know, so often we tell them what they're doing wrong that we don't remind them of who they are. And what they are. I got a friend. His name is John Jefferson. He's a um, defensive back coach at, at Morehouse. And every time we talk about um, the the young men, we always say the same thing. We call them young kings. We call them young kings. And we have to remind them, you guys are kings, man. Behave as such. Treat yourself as such. Believe as such. Don't don't, don't act like a pauper. Don't act like a, a you know less than. Don't don't act like an animal. They're, 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 um, don't act like a savage. That's the new thing that the kids like to call themselves now. I'm savage. No, you're not. You're a sensible, intelligently designed creature created in the image of God, and you should, you should, you should embrace that and carry yourself as such. So when I tell them to go out, like go out as like decent humans. Don't. I, I, it's easier to tell them what not to go out as. Don't go out as a hoodlum. Don't go out as a thug. Don't go out as you know a menace to society. Go out as a respectable person. And I think a part of that problem comes along with defining that and showing them what that looks like. I think that's a problem. You said um, a lot of these kids are coming from, um, you know, homes with single parents, and most of the time it's the mother. So I think a part of that stems from um, these young men not really having a good model of what a man looks like. So they're going with whatever model they can. And, Everybody, everybody on this planet is getting mentored. One way or another, somebody is mentoring you. It may be the television. It may be YouTube. It may be music or maybe a teacher. It could be a pastor. It could be the homie in the street. But every, somebody is teaching you something and mentoring you and to become, influencing you into becoming who you're going to become. So it behooves us as parents to make sure we surround our children with the proper type of influences. That's so true. You, you know, I, you know, when we when we're out in the um, in 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 the, um, out and about, and people see us, within those few seconds, they you know, people kind of they look at you and they gauge and they say they in their mind they kind of try to figure out who you are and what you know just by based on what you look like. And and Pastor, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember you flying down south. I think it was Orlando. And when you got off the plane, everybody wanted to know who you, who you were. They wanted to look at, they, they were looking at you and they thought that you were this star. I don't know if you remember telling me you had the shades on and, you know, and, 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 you know, the way that you dress and everything, they thought you were a, a star. And I hear all the time, you know, whenever I speak with Janelle, people are always asking her, what position does her husband play with the Philadelphia Eagles? <laughs> This, you know what I mean? It's like when they see you, which is which is a, a wonderful thing because what these people, you know, what they're saying that they see greatness in you. You know what I mean? They're not saying uh, he doesn't. He he looks like a thug. He looks like that's not what they're saying. When they see you, and and, and I remember my mom used to say, when you walk in the room, if the room don't change, then you need to change. It's something about that respect. And you touched on that with, with when you you know when you were getting onto the boys when they were in your place. Let's speak on this authority thing. What is it about this authority that you think uh, make our boys um, buck the system or go against it? They, what is it about just authority that they, they that they don't like? I don't I don't I don't think that the guy I think that the young kids nowadays the boundaries are never established by the people who are supposed to be in authority. Face it, 
we have a generation of parents who wanted to be friends and not parents. So they let mm-hmm. their children get over on everything. They were pushovers. You know, they made the error of not disciplining their children the way that they were disciplined. Like, oh, I'm not going to – I'll just be honest. I'm not going to, um, you know, beat my children because I don't think that that's necessary. Well, you better find an effective way to discipline your child if that's not going to be one of the tools that you use. Otherwise, your children are going to run all over you. I always, you know, you can't love, and, and, and chastisement is a part of love, you can't love everybody the same way. You have to love people the way they need to be loved. I was sharing with a young man that I mentored today. I was like, I got all the beatings. Like my brother and my sister, you could add up all the beatings they got and multiply them by ten. They still wouldn't have half as many as I got. Like, <laughs> like I just, <laughs> I was the one. But you know, I and, and as I sit back in my adulthood, I'm like, I deserve them all. You feel me? It's like I deserve yeah, them all. Yeah. And and other things wouldn't work for me. My parents knew what I loved. They knew what I was passionate about. And it's the same thing with um, kids today. My youngest son, I don't got to lay a finger on him. If I really want to, like, get him to do what I want or show him how um, I disapprove of his behavior and his decisions, I, t- I take away his toys. I take away yeah. his football. I take, I take away the stuff that he cares about. And he, he, he's a mess. He gets it together quick. He reminds me that he has gotten it together quick, and I don't, I don't back down. If I say two weeks, it's two weeks. I, but you have to show them, you have to show them what authority looks like at a young age. Otherwise, they won't recognize it out in society. They have no respect for the badge. They have no respect for the shield. They have, they, they have, they have no respect for those things because they on television they're shown that they don't have to respect it. A lot of times, you know. They, 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 they take those mediums as reality, and it's not. But then it transfers over to these kids in the street just kind of talking to, you know, authority figures anyway. And it doesn't just have to be the police, teachers at school, adults. I mean, kids talk back to their parents because yes. their parents never really checked them from day one. My, I don't worry about my children talking back to me because at the age of three and at the age of, you know, they, they already knew what it was. He's not having that. But when you have parents who don't parent, and when you and 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 that that's not a shot at anybody because a lot of the parents don't know how to parent because they weren't parented. I mean, I'm 44 years old. I'm 44 years old. My mom was divorced, and I am just blessed that you know we were taught she she remarried. But my stepfather did a good job raising me. But Mr. West, my neighbor. He raised me. Mr. Badat, one of my best friends' father, he raised me. Mr. Crocker, another one of my best friends' father, he raised me. Mr. Bolden, um, Mr. Singleton, uh, and the list goes on. All men in my community who were fathers of my friends, and, and, and everybody wasn't happily married, but the men all together, we got an ideal of what a man was supposed to be. They all had jobs. They all paid big bills. They all were good citizens. The police were never at any of our houses unless they were invited there for a barbecue because they were of that high reputation. So when you see that and then you see the um, results of the lives of these men, they have money, they have cars, they're successful, their families are how we were taken care of. I mean, not only were the bills paid, but, you know, we got to go on vacations. My stepdad had motorcycles, campers, boats, you know. Right, <laughs> but, right. So when you see the results of that character, then now this becomes a person you can model your life after. Mm. And one thing but I they saw, never dis- that's true. One thing I saw on your, on, your, on your page on the House of Triumph, on the, you're saying it's, it's on here where you're showing love in action. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what these gentlemen were, were doing for you. And, and, and when we, with that authority, when you were getting on to the guys uh, that were in your church the other day, uh, you were showing them love in action. And I'm sure that they didn't buck against it and they didn't say, you know, have anything slick to say back to you. Because I think, you know, I think at times kids want to be disciplined. I think they want that. Kids want to be disciplined, and ki- but, but kids will always push the boundaries to see what they can get away with. 
Is yeah. that a, a perfect example? Those same kids, like they, we give out popsicles for dessert, right? So the kid, one of the kids, he um had some food in his plate, and the, and the other got, kids were like, well, we want popsicles. We're not eating. We just want popsicles. So then the kid with the food was like, well, I want a popsicle too. I was like, you're going to eat your food first. So you're not going to mm. waste food. I was showing him the boundary. Like, eat your food first, and you can have a popsicle. Well, I, I was like, popsicle ain't going nowhere. It's going to melt while you eat this food. I was like, but you're not going to waste food. So he kind of looked at me. He saw I wasn't playing, and then he ate his food. And another one, you know, um, Pastor Janelle, Chanel, my wife, she gave the boy a red popsicle. And he was like, <laughs> I wanted a, he was like, I wanted a fudge popsicle. Demanding. Like, these kids have no problem telling you what they want. But we didn't have any first popsicles. I was like, listen, you're going to either take that popsicle or you're not going to have no popsicle. And he was like, mm. uh, I, was like I was like, listen, I'll take the popsicle and throw it away. It don't matter. I was like, but you ain't either going to take that one. We don't got no other ones. So he kind of looked at me and act like he was going to hand it to me. And I stood up and started to walk to him. I was like, you got the wrong one. And he was like, no, 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 that's okay. But you have to show them. You, and I don't know this boy at all. But you have to show them, like, the boundaries and show them what authority looks This is what authority looks like. You can buck against the system all you want, but um, if you don't respect authority, eventually authority will show you what it's all about. And that's like a message that I, I say to all young people, all people, like if you don't, like we have to train our children while we have the control. When I talk about the control, while we are legally responsible for them, while they are in our homes and, and, the, and, and, and the government and legislation looks at us as they're the stewards of their lives, however you want to put it, the guardians, parents, that is when we have all the control and we make the rules, and it is our responsibility and our obligation to them to make sure they understand authority because if they don't respect the parent's authority, there's no way they're going to respect the stranger's authority. And the difference is the, 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 the law enforcement, the legal system, they don't have no love for them. They don't have no love mm. for them. So, yeah. so when I show my children authority, it's, love and compassion and grace and mercy woven in. There's none of that woven in. It's the letter of the law when it comes to the world. They don't have to be fair. They don't have to allow you to throw yourself on the mercy of the court. They don't have to show you any sympathy, empathy, or, or pity. They don't have to do any of that. that I, I do that because I'm a parent and I have, I have compassion interwoven, but at the same time, if I love them, I must correct them. Otherwise, the world, you know, the world will. I would rather my children by taking away their toys or their cell phones than by allowing the legal system to take away their freedom or their life, depending on how egregious the offense is. That's so true. One, we were talking just the other day with, with, with the boys, and, and they were asking me, so Mr. Turner, you know, it's just not cool to be going around saying that you're saved. You know, we're young and, you know, you guys are old. It's okay for you guys to get up and say certain things. But in with us, people look at us different. The kids, the other boys, they look at us, they judge us. You know, they call us soft because we, we talk about the Lord and, 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 and how do you deal with this? You know, when you're dealing with the kids at your church, and I'm I'm not sure if they talked with you about it, but they were just being candid with me, and they were asking me, um, and they wanted me to ask you about it, uh, about being saved, and what it means, and and how to deal with the peer pressure when people are questioning them about it. They don't know what is the comeback. What do I say? What What would you say to them? You know what? First, I I just want them to know, like. This isn't a new predicament that they're facing. Like, I faced the same predicament when I was at school, wanting to fit in and be cool. And, like, as I got older and Facebook and uh, social media really astounded me with the revelation it provided me, I found out that all the kids that I was going to school with, that I was growing up trying to impress by not talking about my faith and not talking about God, they were all in church, pastors, kids, preachers, kids, singing on the choir at their church. We were all in school, having having our own individual relationship with God, hiding it because we cared too much about what people thought about us, what they would say, what they would think about us. I I can throw so much, I can throw so much information at this. Like those same kids who want to make fun of you for like being holy and, 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 
and identifying with Christ are the same ones that won't come there to bail you out when you get locked up for acting like them. They're the same mm. ones that, that won't have your back when the police, they're the same ones that will throw you under the bus. They're the same ones who will plant the drugs in your car. I'm talking about myself now. The same ones you're trying to be cool with are the same ones that will leave the drugs in your bag and the cops will find it and you'll get locked up. It's the same ones. Why do you care to impress people with character like that? You mm. know what? When I, you, you know what's really impressive? The results of a life of yeah. Christ. The results of a life of Christ. So the same ones that you're trying to impress now at an early stage in your life will be blown away by what you become because of everything that comes along with being a child of God. Um, I, I, I just want to elaborate on that because um, it's something that's really been um, echoing um, with conversations I've been having with a lot of people. Um, a lot of people that I know or I'll get into like a conversation with outside the church, you know, that I'll mm-hmm. connect with, many of them will be like, man, I really like you. you cool and everything, you know. They'll be, but they're like, I don't believe in God, or I'm not saved, or I don't go to church. But they'll be like, you know, or I, I you know, I'm angry at the church. I, I gave up on Christianity a long time ago. But we'll be talking, and they'll be like, I really like you, man. You're cool. I like how you think. I like the way you go about things. I like your passion. And and and, and I'll tell them, I was like, you don't get it, do you? So let me explain it to you. I was like, the, everything that you like about me is because of the God in me. Everything that you're attracted to is the influence that God, it's the results of the influence of God on my life. I'd be like, because without God, I was a jerk. <laughs> without God, I was a jerk. I was un, like unfit to be described on radio or television. I was that. I was like, so you, 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 think, you think this is all just who I am? No, this is who I've been transformed into because I have the patience that God gave me. I have the mercy that God has given me and developed me, the long-suffering and the compassion for other people. That's what, that's what you're, you're – you're really good people. No, I'm not. It's the God in me that makes me good people. I'm, I'm a one. <laughs> like, literally, I'm a but, but But people don't understand that. And, like – and the young the the young boys and the young the young people, if they only knew that a part of the reason that people are really attracted to you is because of who you're growing up and becoming into, you would cherish it all the more instead of denying it. Yes. You would cherish it. Yes, that's so true. And you know, one thing that you said you, you said when you was transforming, you were transformed into the new you. And I'll, I just wanted to touch on that and say, when God, when God cleans you, he leaves no residue. So no people residue. can't, they can't see what you used to be. They just see you and they think, <laughs> oh, he's always been this way. And, yep. and I think, and I think, and I want you to touch on that, the struggle uh, of when you're transforming and you're trying to, 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 to let God do his thing in your life. There's a struggle in there. Um, how do we deal with that? Well, you know what? God never stops changing us. Like we never, like every day we grow more and more into his image as we let him. And the, the struggle is really taking your, like, like stepping back and letting God do it. Like just, just really letting God do it. Like, um, I um I forget who I was talking to. I said, but a lot of times when God is working and we get confused and we don't know what to do, I said, I said you may not know everything that God is. I was like, but you know what God is not. Mm. Like so, if there's something in your life that does not resemble God, that's an area you need to let Him work on. Like if you lie, I'm not going to get all deep. If 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 if, if you have a problem with being honest, you know that God is not there. So every time you, you feel the need to be dishonest for whatever reason, you're afraid of how someone's going to respond or you don't, think, you, you don't think they can handle the truth or it's just a little white lie, you need to understand that that is where God is not. And, he's, and, and if you're convicted about it, he's trying to change you there. So let him. Let, mm. let, like, at, at some point in the process, you have to trust God's process. I remember, like, like and, and a lot of times remaining silent about something you're supposed to speak up is just as bad as lying because that means you're co-signing with the offensive behavior or whatever, the offensive decision. So a lot of times 
when you speak up and trust God with the results, that, that's, that's the key. Do what God told you to do and trust him with the results. You'll be surprised because mm. I think a lot of the negativity associated with us transforming, we build up ourselves. We think people are going to like us. We think people are going to think some, some type of way about us. They'll reject us. It, things will never be the same. I'm comfortable where I am. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And the question is, who told you all those things? Or did you just mm. make those conclusions yourself? Did you aggrandize and work the process out through your own tainted filter? Those, those are things that you really have to learn how to, like, work through. Trust, trusting God, um, the Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So at some point you just have to say, I got faith in your, I have faith in your process, faith in your plan. It doesn't feel comfortable. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I trust you that you're going to make it turn out for my good. So if I don't need to, if I need to start staying away from these types of people, then I'm going to give it a try and let and, and trust the change that God is trying to make in me. Yeah. Now, when when we when you're talking about this trans, transforming and people not getting it, um, I noticed that you have a lot of tools that you use uh, at the House of Triumph. You you have the biblical relationship management. You you have the testaments of triumph, and then you have your your, your book. We're going to get into that, the Superman Syndrome. Now, I know that you and Janelle, your wife, both, you were just in Georgia on, uh, I think, on uh, dealing with relationships and marriage, I believe. Um, yes. The, the biblical relationship management. And, and I'm bringing all these tools up to say we need those things when we're trying to make that uh, adjustment, that trend, when we're transforming. So, we, so we'll understand why it's so important to have our armor on to be able to deal with things as they, as they arise when we're doing this, when we're in this transforming. Uh, would you touch on that, like the biblical relationship management and, and the tools that we need to do? And, and what I'm saying is we don't want to sit back and just say, oh, God is going to change me. It's just going to work on its own. What, what can they do to help really understand? Because you have to study. Well, the biblical relationship um, tool, um, that actually, God allowed us to put that together for our, when we launched the church, actually, and um, mm. because we understood that a lot of people were getting washed by the wayside because they trusted in religion, and God was really asking for relationship. And when that book specifically builds relationship upon relationship, it's layers. It starts with the family then, you know, it, 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 it builds upon it. Like, you can't have a good relationship with, with, with God if you don't have a good relationship with your family, and your friendships won't be good if you don't have a good relationship with, you know, God. But, like, God is the centerpiece for relationships, and then it just it, it spreads out at work in your community with your family and with your church. But you have to, you have to understand the, the, the purpose of relationship. And the purpose of relationship, it's... um. It's it's so powerful because there is there is the the place of unity and agreement is the is is a place of immense power when God is in the equation. I mean, even throughout creation, God. If you read the book of Genesis, it said, "Let us make men." It's clear. It doesn't say, "I'm going to make man." It says, "Let us." You know, so there was agreement there. There's mm. there's ridiculous there's there's ridiculous power. And how can two walk together unless they be Greek? Wherever two or more are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he sent them in pairs. When God sent animals to the ark, he sent them in pairs. There is power in, like, agreement and unity. And when you begin to um, build agreement through relationships and unity, like, my wife and I are so ridiculous sometimes that, like with the finishing of each other's sentences, finishes of of, of thoughts. Like I, I sat in the car after I'm outreach today, and she just looked at me and she said, what? And I said, you know what? And she was like, to eat? I was like, yes, to eat. It's time to eat. <laughs> like, we didn't even, but, but, but because we're just there, it's like it's it, it, unity. When we, um, when, we, when we go to anything that requires some type of, couple engaging in any type of game, we always win 
because we connect and can explain and express things in such a way that only we understand, but it's because we have built that relationship and that bond, and it's so strong that, like, nothing can, like, you, you can't lie on her to me and you can't lie on me to her because we, we've known each other, and that's just through building relationships. But, but the key to building any type of successful relationship is you have to be transparent. Like, mm. when we were down in Georgia, that was the biggest thing that just came to the surface, transparency. You won't have – and a part of the reason why I believe that we have the success in ministry that we have with the people that we have, and when I say the success, I mean the people willing to bear all to us, their mm-hmm. struggles, what they're doing, is because we, we're transparent. We don't hide stuff from them. We don't hide stuff from them. We show them how to go through the storm in the midst with the joy of the Lord and trusting in God. But we don't hide that we're we're in the middle of it. We're in a battle. So, and I think that that's important. People need to see you being real, even if you've come into my life after I've gotten over addiction, after I've gotten over alcoholism, after I've you know now that I'm not being arrested anymore, now after I've gotten past the charges of possession. You know, now you come into my life on the tail end. All that stuff really happened, but because we have a relationship now, I can be transparent and not worried about you looking at me different as a pastor because these things happened in the past. And because I'm willing to take a risk and be transparent like that, the people respect that, and then they become transparent with me. That doesn't make anybody's problems go away, but that, 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 that's where the trust begins. And where, when there's trust in the, in the equation, then you have something to work with. That transparency is just so important. If, you're, if, if, if the children can't be transparent with the parents, a lot of times it's because the parents are still doing the practice what you preach thing. It's, oh, yeah. it, it's really hard. I mean, there's, there's a lot of parents, they want certain relationships, and you've got to tell them, you, gotta, you can't ask your children to do something and they see you not doing it. Because these kids these days are smart, man. They get oh, yeah. it quick. They get it, and, and they'll tell you in a heartbeat. Well, well, how are you going to tell me not to do that, and you're doing that? <laughs> you, that's so true. Why do you? Why and why do you think adults uh, in relationships? Why do you think they struggle with transparency? Do, do you think it's that they feel like the other person is going to think a certain way that they're going to fall out of love with them because of something that they did years ago or not too long ago? Why do you think they struggle with that? There's a there's a lot of reasons I could I I, I think they struggle with it, um, but the the major one that I would really see is because they don't know the value of it. They don't know how mm-hmm. valuable they don't know how valuable it is. Everybody and their mom is walking around talking about keeping it 100, keeping it real. None of them are doing it. Like, <laughs> they're saying, you know, keep it 100, be transparent. But, you know, and, and, and everybody, like, is, is always hiding. You see it on television. You see it scripted, dishonesty. You, I, uh, here I go. You're never going to let me back up. The whole, the whole show is about to go on the toilet now, Greg. I mean, hey, you, have a president, you have a president of the United States who's very disingenuous. And, yes. it's, and so, so – it's not that people don't even recognize, don't, don't, won't say what's right and what's wrong, but some people are just like, well, if it's okay for him to do it and he doesn't lose his job, then what's the worst thing that can happen if I'm not always transparent? That's true. That's true. See, that's why I have you on the show because I know you're going to you're going to say exactly what needs to be said and you know you don't hold back and I, and I and I love that and that's that's what is really needed when you're dealing with leaders you're a true leader and 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 that's one of the uh skill sets of being a leader you have to say some things that may not may make some people uncomfortable it may they may not like what you're saying but who can argue with truth and facts you just can't do it you know um, you know, there's another part on here too. I'm sorry. Um, I want to touch on real quick um, the Superman syndrome. Uh, I've seen you with the Superman shirt on. I've seen your son Prince with the uh, Superman shirt on. What? Where did you come up with this? Was this something that you and he did, or, or, or how did that come about? So, so I've, I've always loved comic books. 
it's it's a short long story. But um, so basically, when I was um, I I had I had I had I I just tell the whole story. Um, I had bought a necklace with a charm, and um, the charm was originally the Virgin Mary with a baby in it, and I bought it to represent um, you know. My my oldest son and 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 my and his, and and his mother right and she mm-hmm. gave me the business about it. She's like, "Ew, that's an ugly charm." I was like, "Wow." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> so I went so I went back to the vendor and I bought me an S for Stephen. It just so happens that it was the Superman logo S. So as I wore that around, people would be like, "Yo, soup, what's up, soup, what's up?" So that kind of like became my nickname. Kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, but but now I'm a big comic book um, junkie, and it's weird how God will use things. So when I began to like look at my life, and I, I just follow Superman, and I'll be like, always like we were talking about earlier, always trying to fit in and impress people and and blend with the crowd. I saw the same um, struggle with Superman, and everyone I, and everyone's like, I don't get it because Superman would wanted to be Clark Kent. He wanted to blend in. He didn't want to stand out, but there were always situations that arose that forced him to use his God-given talent. And with me, it was just like I was out there in the world, but there was always an inner check that things that were wrong just didn't set right with me. And I ignored it, and I just went along with it because I always thought I was smart enough to beat the system and not get caught out there. And I was the one that always got caught out there because I wasn't supposed to be out there. God will let you God will let you get caught out there. He won't let you he won't let you be successful in the with the world's definition of success when he has a purpose for you. So I mm. I came to realize that who I was masquerading as, trying to be Clark Kent in my own ways, wasn't where I was going to find my purpose. So I had mm. to kinda of take off the gray suit and the glasses and put the cape on and just be who God created me to be. And the Superman syndrome, that's really what it's all about. It's not thinking that, you know, you have to save the day, but it's about embracing the reality that you were placed on this planet for greatness and you were designed to accomplish it in your own way. And and that's really what the Superman syndrome is all about. And I, and I can tell you what your son is. is he's bought into that 100%. Um, I, I saw a picture I think Janelle put a place a picture up on Facebook, but you guys sitting on a sofa, both of you had wearing your Superman shirts, and uh, it was neat. It was neat. I, I I really like it. Now, one thing that you just said that's that's so important that a lot of people are struggling with, and I mentioned this to you earlier. I've been talking to so many people from every background, some with money, ones that don't have money, white, black, it, just every background, purpose. Everyone wants to know their purpose and how do they find their purpose. And you're living and walking in your purpose. So why do you think people struggle with um, understanding and trying to uh, know what their purpose is? I think the first problem with understanding what your purpose is is everyone allows other people to tell you what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like people walk up on you and say, you'd be great at this. I think you'd be good at that. You'd be great at this. And you have no business being that at all. My oldest is 23 years old. He should be getting out of college soon, like I think this mm-hmm. winter. I, I never keep up with it. I, it's, it's just hurry up and get out. But anyway, that's another story. But um, when he was first um, looking at what he wanted to do in school, you know, his mother was – encouraging him to like, be a doctor, be a lawyer. They make a lot of money. Like, so your purpose is to make a lot of money. That's not your purpose at all. I told him, I asked him, I said, what do you enjoy? Like, what do you like? I said, and see, this is where parents become so in, influential and important. I was like, son, you love to draw. I said, you love computers. I, lo- I, said, I said, these are the things that I know that you're passionate about. I was like, try to find a major that incorporates those things because those are the things that will keep you engaged. Mm-hmm. Your purpose should keep you engaged. Your, 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 you, shouldn't, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't struggle to walk in your purpose. There will be struggles in life, but your pur- if you're walking, just think about it this way. If you're naturally gifted to do something or you're not gifted to do it, 
when the struggle comes, it's going to be that much harder if it's not your purpose. <laughs> but if it's yes. your purpose, then you will be able to accomplish and function in the midst of that struggle better because you are designed, you are created to get through it. And people struggle with purpose because they're listening to what other people say to them and they're not really listening to they're not really listening to their heart. They're not listening to, you know, I don't I don't wanna um I don't wanna say intuition, but you know what you're good at and you know what you're not good at. I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be I went to college for mechanical engineering, right? Because mm-hmm. I love to work with things, take people take things apart, take people apart. Take things take things apart, see how they worked. So I said, I'm be a mechanical engineer, right? I suck at math. Suck <laughs> at math. Down there at college, failing calculus like a champ. Failing calculus like a champ. And I came to the epiphany, mechanical engineer, that ain't my purpose. But now, right. watch this, right? In high school, you know, they do the senior superlatives. Mm-hmm. In high school, I wanted to be class clown. I didn't get that. I got most talkative. And at mm. the time, at the time, that was embarrassing. Like, you talk too much. You talk too much. All you ever do is talk. But now, in hindsight, I look at my life and I'll be like, you're a speaker, you're an encourager, you're a motivator. Talking was always a part of your purpose. Mm. It was always there. It was always there. And everybody else saw it. But because we look at a man that runs his mouth a lot as an insult, you don't embrace it. Mm. Mm. Let's talk about the uh, you're busy with the Philadelphia Eagles. I saw a, a commercial, uh, you and your wife, uh, Janelle, and your son, Prince. I call him the Prince. I've always called him that. Um, tell us, what, what was that all about? Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Yeah, that's my squad. So, yeah, yeah. you know what? God... God works in in, in, in in ways that you can't even imagine. Um, right. So one of the things, one of my wife's side hustles, she um, <laughs> does, um, well, she, she works with a, a, a wedding planner, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, one of the wedding planners' um, colleagues is a photographer that takes the pictures at the weddings and everything. So unbeknownst to us, well, we didn't know, actually, she also is on the um, media staff of the Philadelphia Eagles. So the Philadelphia Eagles are huge supporters and advocates for autism. Our son, mm-hmm. the original Prince Nazir, has autism. So last year, um, uh, building up steam for their campaign, um, they were looking for families to um, highlight that had children with autism, that like they were Eagles fans. So she was like, I know them. Then like and and you know the Eagles they ride hard for Jesus too they 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 don't have no problem talking about God they don't have no problem with their players talking about God so when they I, when they interviewed us and they brought us in and they were like this is the perfect family that we want to you know highlight they just it was like a match literally no pun intended but so accurately stated it was a match made in heaven so it was like. <laughs> They brought us in. They interviewed us. They 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 loved on my son. He got to meet Zach Ertz, you know, and just they put us on the primetime TV, the networks, and everybody that we knew was like, "We saw you." <laughs> it was it was immense, and 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 it, and it's something that you couldn't script. And I said, I've gotten in places because of my son's diagnosis that I would have never got in without it. Mm-hmm. And what a lot of people would have saw as a weakness, we have seen it as a gift because it allows us to sit in certain um, parties and, and, and with certain people that gives us the ability to, you know, do even more for, you know, the kingdom. And, mm-hmm. you know, but that that's how it kind of came together for the Eagles. And we're probably going to – we're going to stay involved with them. You know, it's it, – with with that, it used to just be a football thing, but with that, I was like, you know, this organization loves my kids. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> this organization right, right. rolls for, like, Super Bowl. And, and I also will like to go on record as saying the real reason why they won the Super Bowl is because they brought the Prince into their practice facility and they blessed go. that whole place where we were there. Right. And, boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope your non-Super Bowl audience. Yeah, I hope your non-Super Bowl audience doesn't tune out on that. No, not even. We need we need to we need to push for him to get his ring. He needs a ring. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to get his own one day, hopefully. But um, (laughs) God willing. Yes. But you, let's talk. You know, go ahead. It's go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's go ahead. interesting. No, no, no. Like you talk about pur- you, you talk about purpose, and you know, my son with the autism. But one thing is, he he loves football. So, and even if he never plays because he doesn't get in the gym like he should, to be quite honest. But he knows stats. He knows players. He'll ask me, Dad, what's offside? What's pass interference? What's illegal motion? Like somewhere in there, he's just so enamored with football. So that may be a part of his purpose. For like mm-hmm. life, right. but if you don't if you don't build relationships, you're never there to identify it and guide it as a steward or a mentor or a parent. Mm, that's so true. Let's talk about what you're doing. You're doing so much, and I and I don't think an hour is is enough <laughs> because man, you guys are all over the place. You're doing so much, uh, and I was on the, on your site. Janelle is always telling me it was just it's hard to to lock you in on uh, like an interview because she's like, well, no, we're doing this. No, we're doing that. We're doing this on this time. And she's taking care of your schedule. What do you have coming up? What's, what's, what's coming up down the, down, down the road for you. And when I say down the road, what are you, what are you looking at doing? I know you speak. Um, I know you, you, you travel and uh, just tell me what, what's going on at the church. Well, um, we're a part of a, a bigger um, organization. Our church is, a part of what's known as United Churches Fellowship, um, and our presiding prelate is Bishop Harry Pendleton. And in, in order to um, get some stability to the organization, he um, promoted or assigned it, rather, some of us positions as executive pastors. So he, last year he made um, me the executive pastor over all youth ministries. So a lot of what I do now is focused on that. We just came back from the youth retreat that, you know, we were – you know, part of. We're getting ready for Holy Convocation, so we're planning workshops um, for the youth, but I, I, I say that to segue into, at the youth retreat, we, saw, we got to speak to these saved young people, and they were transparent as we were transparent, and they told us about, like, some of the things that they want and some of the things they need, so in the up, in the up and coming months, we are going to be um, really focusing on them. We're going to be looking to start doing some Christian cafes for the young people to allow them to share their gifts of mime and dance, spoken word and singing, and, and, and not just share it, but the hope is to actually, in sharing it, to develop it and cultivate it for excellence so that they can branch out. So we're, we're really looking to um, to enhance them. I'm also um, doing some mentoring. I don't know if you've seen some of my posts as, quote, unquote, Coach T. That's my yeah, branding yeah. for um my, my life coaching, um, I don't want to say I got a little bit um, thrown off the track. I just had to buckle down and focus for that youth retreat that was a couple of months ago. Then we had other ministry um, obligations. You know, certain things happen that you can't really, you know, prepare for funerals, things of that nature, where you got to, you know, give them the necessary time and the people the time when you're counseling them as well. But, you know, coaching um, young people, old people, couples, whoever needs it as as, as as a mentor, just giving them the insight. Um, and we're going to be planning a youth explosion probably somewhere in um, early in 2019. But I'm grateful because I'm not doing it all on my own. I have a great team through the United Churches Fellowship, and um, that affords me more resources and at the same time less burden so I don't have to carry it all, which will give me the um, liberty to do other things like travel, um, accept opportunities to speak out and things of that nature. Um, book signings, did a couple of them, looking at doing a couple more. I'm, and, you know, the, the, the book thing is, is really amazing. Um, I, I gave away a book today. A guy was at the um, outreach, and he's like, oh, you guys don't got any books to read? And I was like, oh, wait, I got one in the car. Read this, you know, my book. And so, you know, for <laughs> me, well, 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 for me, it's not all about the money. I know everyone's like, oh, no. But for me, it's about getting the tools in people's hands. It's, and I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I appreciate those who who want to sow into me, who understand that. But 
But what was really important to us is like getting the tools to the people. That's the mantra of our ministry, giving people the tools, the tips, the techniques to um, triumph over every test, trial, and tribulation they may face in life. That's what we want, to give people tools. So that's now, it uh, in a nutshell. Right. What 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 about uh, are are you going to do anything? Are you and Janelle going to do anything together on relationships, um, based on what the word says? So, um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so I don't I don't think um, I was talking. We we just got back from a pastor's retreat with um, our bishop, and um, the bishop he was sitting there talking. I think Janelle was going to get some um, rabbit food to eat. Because she only eats rabbit food, she doesn't eat real people food. Like she doesn't eat bacon and ham. She just eats lettuce. So, anyways, I think she was away getting some lettuce, and I was talking to the bishop. And he's like, "I never got to ask you how the um the couples um retreat went when you guys were down in Georgia." So I started to tell him everything. So long story short, I think he's going to enlist us mm. in getting the couples ministry back, you know, really up and running as well. But um. As you, she she helps me tremendously in ministry. I've actually been um, mulling over in my head. I, I know she's listening. She's like, "Oh, really? We're gonna have a long talk oh. after this radio broadcast." Oh yeah. Um, I've, I've actually I've actually been mulling over um, you know us two ministering side by side. You know, not just and and, and I I don't want to say it like this, but I I think that's a, I think it's a farce if you go out and do it and you never do it at your home. Like I I just think that's that that's so unreal. Like it needs to it needs to be seen and done in front of your people. It shouldn't be a special occasion type of type of thing. That's just not that's just not and that's just me. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just not real to me. So if I can't mm-hmm. present the gospel with my wife by my side and we do a lot, honestly. A lot of times she'll preach and I'll just come behind her and God'll just give me revelation about what she said. And like I think one Sunday she used these boxes as an illustration, and God just had me in the back, and I came up and used the same boxes to kind of do something. But, like, those are the things that I would like to do. I would like to minister side by side with her and really let her take the lead because I like how she speaks. I like how she teaches. And, like, what God allows me to really do is I can I really feed off of what she, um, what God is downloading to her. So it's, it, it, it's something that's in the works. I just – one, I have to figure out or allow God to tell me, rather, how to fit it into our ministry. She preaches every third Sunday, so I don't, I don't want to be overbearing with it, but I would, like, I would like for people to see a couple that can do everything as a couple, as a team, including share the gospel. That's, a, that's important. And one thing, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, I, I said that you were consistent. Both of you have always been consistent. Of, of all the years that I've known you, it's been God first, family, children, and it never changed. And 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 every Sunday, you you guys are posting. It, it's live. She's posting, or you're posting the videos of of uh, the live your messages, and they're just so important. And I and I a lot of times I save the videos and I and I let and I send them to people and I say you know you might want to listen to this because it's, it's a blessing in it for you and a lot of time every single time they'll reply back thank you so much it helped me I was going through something and she hit on this or, or he hit exactly on what I was struggling with and that's so important and I, and I just thank you for being uh, transparent and doing exactly what God created you to do. And where you are right now, I think a lot of people want to be there. And I'm not saying that they want to be pastors, but I'm saying they want to be able to walk in their purpose like you're doing. But, again, that's something that a lot of people are struggling with. And I hope that those are listening and taking notes that, you, you know, you wrote down what he said about uh, the purpose, about your purpose, and not letting other people decide what your purpose is for you. Um, and you, you said something about the mentoring. Uh, the life coaching, is that something that you're going to do, I, I guess, technically online? Are you willing to do that online or over the phone? Because I it's, know a lot of people want to reach out to you. It's a, it, it's actually, you know, I can do it anyway. At, online is actually the way I, I'm leaning to, like one-on-one sessions online and also some um, group discussions online. If, when, once I get a team of people of the same ilk, like, 
you know, gender where we can like, where I can like uh, say this week we want to talk about, um, you know, you know, your hormones raging as a teenager or what a man really looks like. Or maybe one week we'll be like financial um, structure, you know, priorities and things of that nature. I, I do those in a group setting or have, and, and still have, you know, the one-on-one intimate sessions. But, yeah, a lot of it's done over the Internet. I mean, of course, if you're local, you know, we can set up something face-to-face, one-on-one. But that shouldn't – we have technology. There's no reason to be limited like that. There's no reason at all. So definitely want to do that. And I just wanted to um, – I wanted to throw this out there. When you were talking about consistency, and, and you'll probably laugh when I say this, man, the consistency thing is so easy for me because I'm mm. so – Deathly, no, listen, I'm so deathly afraid and scared of letting God down and failing him and disappointing him. So wow. I, like, when I don't feel like it, I think of Jesus on the cross. When I think it's too much, I think of Jesus on the cross. Like, when I think I don't have it, the ability to do it, I think of Jesus on the cross. Like, I'm so deathly afraid of disappointing him and all that he did for me that I drag myself out of bed every morning and go support my family because that's ministry. I get to, I, I study the word at the wee hours until my eyes can't stay open because that's ministry. That's what he requires. And in doing all that, those sacrifices that you see as consistency, I'm like, God, you're just going to have to restore. Like, God, you're going to have to figure out the other stuff. You're, you're going to have to, and, and, it, and he does. He, he, I can be faithful to him because he's always faithful to me, and I just don't want to disappoint him. That's really what it boils down to. When I have mm-hmm. those impasses where I don't want to do it, it I have a check that's like, do you want to really dissipate, disappoint that man that hung on the cross for you? And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> But that's, that's, my, that's my conviction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, you know, see, I, 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 I was, honestly, man, I, I, I tell you, I'm just blown away um, because I, I, I'm sitting here, I have about four pages. I'm taking notes, uh, and and I'm going to go back over. I'm serious. I'm going to go back over them tonight. Every time I hear you speak, I take notes. I write it down because you're such a teacher, and it shows that you're you're really studying. It shows that you're pouring into him, and he's pouring into you. And I wanted to touch on your relationship with him. It sounds like you and God have this kind of friendship where he's right here, and you're talking to him like you're talking to me. And uh, just 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 touch on that for me. We have about two minutes left. My relationship with God is crazy, and it has to be because He knows me. I, and I mean, I talk to God like I talk to anybody else. I, when I met when I met Janelle, and Janelle, the story of our love life is a perfect example. When I met her, I was we we were walking somewhere, and I tried to be suave, and I was like, "Ladies first, right? I held the door open and was going to let her go in front of me, right? Because that's what gentlemen do. And she said. I'm not supposed to be in front of you or behind you. I'm supposed to be by your side. And at that moment, I stopped, and I looked up to heaven. I was like, really, God? Really? I was like, is that why you sent me here? Because I didn't really know why you sent me here. I'm a deacon right now. I'm down here with all these alcoholics and drug addicts at the, you know, the frat party. I was like, you sent me here for her? Because I just heard you speak through her mouth. Like, and, and like, but that's how, our, that's how my relationship has always been with God. Like, if I hear God talking, I'll just, uh, really, God? I don't have to be, it's not a dear Heavenly Father, I come before the throne of grace. No, I'm like, but, but, but because that's who I am. And I think you build a relationship with God by, by, again, being transparent. There's no reason to hide anything or fake moves with God. He knows it all. If you, I mean, he, he knows who you are. So if, if you want to act religious, he knows just how unreligious you are. So just. Be you, it's so easy to communicate in your native tongue with God than trying to speak through through a theological um, methodology that you don't really understand. Yes, and he's always there. No matter what time you wake up or <laughs> no matter what you're always. going through, he's always there. He's always there. We have about always. 45 seconds. Is there anything else that you would like to share that we didn't cover? Um, You know what? I just you know encourage you guys, if you if you get the chance, check us out on um, social media, www.houseoftriumph.org is our web- website, or you can get with us at facebook.com backslash House of Triumph. Um, I, I always, and we have a YouTube page with all of the sermons for like the last three years up there. Just just check us out. You know, if you didn't know about a food of bears, if, you know, if, if you're interested and you want to see what we're all about, that's, that's us 100%. We don't change. Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. And we will have uh, Pastor and uh, his wife back at some point, but I know we're, we're definitely going to have you back uh, to talk more about the book and the Superman Syndrome. Pastor, thank you so much. Everybody thank have a blessed weekend. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.